0: today I want to welcome everyone to this agape Christian Fellowship meeting we're here today to speak about what our Lord has done we're going to talk about the testimony that the blood of Jesus gives in heaven we're going to talk about scrolls and books and the courts of heaven now most Christians know that Because of the blood, you are forgiven. That's Ephesians 1, 7 in American King James. It says, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. Because of the blood, you as a Christian are justified. Romans 5, 9 in American King James says, much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. And according to 1 John 1, 7, because of the blood, you are cleansed. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Even though we know these truths, many Christians do not know how we can appropriate the fullness of what the blood has done. Once we see this in scripture, then faith can come so that we can use fully the sacrifice of our Lord to the fullest effect. Besides the blood, there are other items that many have spoken about inside and outside of the courts of heaven. How can we appropriate them? Do we need to? Are there other places to go outside of the courts? You see, the word of God will show us what we need to know. Both the Old and the New Testament agree that innocent blood that has been spilled can cry out either for justice or even for God to bring vengeance. Remember, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. In Hebrews 12, 24, in the Amplified Classic Version, it says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks of mercy, a better and nobler and more gracious message than the blood of Abel, which cried out for vengeance." In Genesis four ten, Amplified Classic Version, it says, "'And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground.'" You see, Abel's blood had to cry out from the ground Innocent blood that shed cries out to God and God showed up to bring justice. And through that justice, he brought vengeance. Not only did he talk to Cain, but he enacted the vengeance for which the blood cried out. There were consequences because because innocent blood had been shed. Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the father and his blood is crying out for us in the courts of heaven we need to come into agreement with that testimony second corinthians thirteen one, in the american king james version says by the testimony of two or three witnesses must any charge and every accusing statement be sub- sustained or confirmed in other words the term su- sustained is what we use when we talk about things in the court, in the court system. That means to confirm that justice and the validity of the allegations, there must be two witnesses. So to overturn anything that has been established against us, we need two witnesses. By asking that the blood speak for us, we're declaring that Jesus paid the price for our sins and his blood is crying out for mercy. We are coming into agreement with that statement of mercy then there are two witnesses. Even with the witness and evidence of what is said in scripture, I was hesitant to dive into this new revelation. We have found that if people come into the courts of heaven and they don't really turn from their sin, that there is awful backlash. We call it backlash because it's consequences. Things get worse. The enemy attacks them with pain sickness or family troubles if we use the blood to dismiss sins we aren't aware of it may be much harder to turn from them as a result we could be on the receiving end of retaliation from the enemy and the situation may become more unpleasant as we continued operating in the courts of heaven heaven we discovered That as long as we followed the example of Daniel 9 and learned God's ways and were dedicated to learning his ways and implementing implementing them into our lives, he would extend grace. And through his mercy, he would bring healing and deliverance and it would remain as long as we were operating and learning about his ways. However, At this time, we needed to verify the application of the blood, that it would be effective. So I called upon our team, and we went at the Courts of Heaven Academy. It's on our Facebook group, uh, the Facebook group, Courts of Heaven Academy Worldwide, and the Agape Christian Fellowship Church. We have many seers on our team. So I wanted to see if they would be willing to test this out with me. In fact, consistently over the next several weeks, we saw results. The power of the Holy Spirit was magnified. Some people's faces glowed with the energy of God as curses and charges were removed. We took people who had received over 30 charges or even more into the courts. Imagine going into the courts and hearing 30 to 50 charges against you, words of of things against you from you and your ancestors. But when we brought them forward and asked for the blood to testify, then we asked if there were any charges left. In each case, the number of charges were greatly reduced. At least by 20, sometimes as many as 40, accusations were removed. You see, this is a powerful thing our Lord has done. We need to use his sacrifice, his blood to the fullest effect. The most effective way to do this is to use God's word and agree with what he has said. In Galatians three one three, the American King James Version, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is he who hangs on the tree. Now, remember, the cross was known as a tree. Another word for hanging on a cross was hanging on on a tree because it's wood. So this scripture shows two things. First, the word curse is singular. The singular curse of the law was that you went to hell for violating any part of it. This is what taking Jesus as Lord redeems us from. We no longer go to hell for breaking any tiny part of the law as the Hebrew people did. If they did not offer their yearly sacrifices with the blood of a lamb. Jesus also paid the price for us to be from the curses of our ancestors by hanging on the cross. Nowhere in scripture does it say that this happens automatically. Payment is something that has to be appropriated. We must look at way God operates to understand how to accept the benefits of what our Lord has done in Deuteronomy 5 it says that the sins of our fathers can be passed down to four generations creating a generational curse Daniel gives us a good example showing us how to confess for the sins of the past to gain mercy from God this is again from Daniel 9 verses 4 through 6 and verse 8 O oh Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him, with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name. O oh Lord, to us belongs the shame of face, to our kings, to our princes. And our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Here are the key components to this prayer. Come before God in and praise and worship. How great and awesome he is. That's how Daniel started out with how great and awesome he is. Then remind him of his promises, of his covenants. And then call out for mercy. And confess the sins of your ancestors and forefathers. When we approach God as judge, we can show that we have studied his word by claiming our rightful place as children of the Most High and citizens of heaven. When you understand how to do this, when you can hear from your counselor, the Holy Spirit, when you can hear from your lead advocate, Jesus, and you can receive instruction from from them, then you can go into the courts if he calls you to go there. Then next, you must confess the sins of your ancestors. We show that we know that they are wrong. Then we ask that the blood of Jesus testify on our behalf, asking for mercy, stating what the New Testament says, and making the most of the sacrifice of Jesus. That is the highest form of praise to God, because we are honoring what he said, now, up to this point in the courts of heaven, inside or outside the courts, you should not be, one, stating reasons for the sins. These are excuses. There is no excuse for sin. You just must say, I've done it, and I was wrong. My ancestors did it, and they were wrong. You, can, you should not be demanding or asking for anything. You have to come in humility of knowing that you are wrong, and it's only through your Lord that things are made right. This is the time to be humble before the judge over heaven and earth and repent. Now after this we follow court procedures and we ask for charges against us to be dismissed. Only after you hear the verdict of overruled or overturned or some similar phrase of dismissal, only then should you ask for judge for justice. If you ask for justice and you have not heard from your counselor, the justice may be that you have confessed wrong, that you haven't really lamented you know, in your heart, and God knows, and the enemy gets more consequences. You do not want to ask for justice until you're sure you have done things rightly. Now, if at any time the Holy Spirit urges you to say anything else. Or you receive a vision you should act on this going to the courts of heaven should not be formula it should not be go in and say this and do this you should be responding to your counselor jesus is your lead advocate the holy spirit is your counselor the way you enter the courts is just a guide the proper process to get you into the courts after that you must follow Those who are your leaders. Now, Jesus died to set us free. Freedom always comes when you are persistent in pursuing him, your Lord, and learning his ways, applying them to your life. If he is really your Lord and your owner, you should be willing to learn about him. You should be willing to follow him. In Luke 18, seven in the amplified classic version it says and will not our just god defend and protect and avenge his elect his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night will he defer them and delay help on their behalf we are the body of christ ideally the body works together all his parts work together we must cry out to the lord for help and continue continue seeking him until we get relief He will not delay. Once we get it right, it will come. As the body of Christ, can a hand function properly without being attached to an arm? Or or the arm without being attached to the body? How can the lungs work? How can we speak without lungs? You see, the body works together. If you are, are not yet able to enter the courts in your own because you cannot see or hear you don't have eyes that are open to the spiritual realm you don't have ears to how you're under to know how you're understanding and receive from the holy spirit don't rush in come and learn about the courts and then if you're still under an attack from the enemy our team is here to help you we will inquire of our lord the lead advocate If it's right to enter the courts of heaven, we'll ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what's going on in the courts of heaven. You know, there are, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. Okay. Thank you. Holy Spirit. Thank you. I know where to add that. Okay. Let's continue talking about things in the courts of heaven for now. There is much talk in the body of Christ about scrolls, books, and other items in the courts. Should we be asking for these things in order to get results from the just and righteous judge, our God? Are there other places we have to go? What is necessary to receive breakthrough? Well, we must hold to the word of God and do what the Lord tells us to do. Ezekiel 3, verses 1 through 3 And I looked, behold, and the hand, and, let's see. And when I looked, behold, and hand was set unto me, and lo, a roll, a book was therein. And he spread it before me, and it was written within and without, and there was written within therein lamentations and mourning and woe. It's Ezekiel, sorry, that was Ezekiel 2, 9, and 10. The next one, Ezekiel, it continues in 3, 1 through 3. Moreover, he said to me, son of man, eat that thou findest. Eat this roll and go up and speak into the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth and he caused me to eat that roll. And he said to me, son of man, cause thy belly to eat and fill thy bowels with this roll that I give to thee. Then I did eat it and it was in my mouth as honey for sweetness. This is an example of a scroll that was given to Ezekiel, who is a prophet. Sometimes, like with Ezekiel and John in the book of Revelation, so it's in the New Testament as well, that happened in Revelation 10. John was given a scroll to eat. God gives you something, and you eat it, and then most often you prophesy. Other times, like in Zechariah 5, the scrolls brought curses upon the land when they were given to someone, a prophet. In Revelation 5, God had a scroll that someone needed special authority to open. Let's go to that scripture now, Revelation 5, verses 2 through 5. And I saw a strong angel announcing in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and who is entitled and deserves and is morally fit to break its seals. And no one in heaven or earth or under the earth in the realm of the dead and Hades was able to open the scroll or take a single look at its contents. And I wept audibly and bitterly because no one was found fit to open the scroll or inspect it. Then one of the elders of the heavenly Sherindan said to me, Stop weeping. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has won, has overcome and conquered. He can open the scroll and break the seven seals. Someone had to be worthy. In order to receive a scroll, God knows when it's right. You have to be ready to receive it. The seals of revelation had to be broken before the trumpets could announce the cup of wrath that would be poured out. And only one person is qualified. That is our Lord Jesus. He lived a perfect life of obedience to God and was obedient unto death. Because of this He has been given all authority over heaven and earth. This makes him able to open the scroll that will begin the time of the tribulation and lead to his return. You must, only God knows who a scroll is destined for, when they are to receive it. It's at a perfect time and a perfect place and for his purposes. There are also books in heaven. But often the word book or scrolls can be interchangeable. Let's look at this verse in Psalm 40, verse 7 and 8. Then I said, Lo, I come, and in the volume of the book it is written of me, I delight to do thy will, O God, yea, thy law is written on my heart. This is also in the New Testament, quoted in the New Testament. But here in Psalms, the Hebrew word translated as book is sefer, which is used for both scroll, book, or any type of written document. So however this word is translated, every time a scroll or a book from heaven is mentioned, there is one common denominator. When the scroll or the book, it comes from the spiritual realm, God or one of his messengers gives the scroll as they see fit. There is no example in the Bible of someone asking for a heavenly scroll or book. Would you presume to demand a special writ of authority from the leader of your nation? Would you call up the president, the leader of your nation? And would you demand, oh, I want a scroll. I want, I want a special writ of authority to accomplish this. And yet many, through prayer, presume to ask God. For one, the courts of heaven is not a McDonald's where you go in and you place your order and God fulfills your request and you eat all this wonderful stuff. No, God is sovereign. He is the judge over heaven and earth. He knows what you need and he will give it to you. Trust that he will equip you for the work of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit is your counselor. If something needs to be said, he will tell you what it is. If you receive a scroll, read it out loud if you can see the words so that God's judgment is proclaimed upon the earth. If the Holy Spirit tells you in the courts of heaven to eat it, believe me, you'll just find yourself doing it. Your body will obey God. It's as simple as that. Rest in the hands of Jesus as your advocate and the Holy Spirit as your counselor. Now, there is also some place that has been mentioned about the court of scribes. Now, there is ample proof of the courts of heaven within scriptures. Hundreds of times it's mentioned as God as judge and, and Jesus as our advocate. And so literally dozens, probably not hundreds, but dozens of times we see the courts of heaven mentioned in the Bible. if you would add much to what is being said in the word of god you may be able to infer that such a place exists as a court of scribes or other things and perhaps it really does exist however i don't believe we need to be concerned about it any other place in heaven other than the courts i don't think that is for us to be concerned and focused on these things because it's not prevalent enough in the word of God. One scripture does not suffice. It must be throughout the word of God. About the time I learned about these other places in heaven, I was sent a dream from God. I was in a busy metropolis and many people greeted me and our team as we walked and traveled through the city into a valley. Now, in this valley, there was a reflection of the moon in the valley, and the crescent shape had a cartoon face projected upon it. Another sister came in, and after we saw that, we went back to the hotel. And another sister came in, and she started talking about that valley with the moon. Did you hear about that place? They have some really cool stuff there. I replied hesitantly, Ah. I think I'd be careful with what they are doing. I'm not so sure all of it is real. My sister left and kind of shrugged it off and and I began wandering about until I arrived at a house that was on the side of the mountain above the valley. Entering the house, I addressed the occupants. I know you have a projector that you are using to add to the reflection of the moon so that cartoon face can be seen clearly. Where is this projector? Unabashed, the woman of the house said, oh yes, yes, we have it right over here. We just wanna make sure people are able to understand it better, to be clear about what they're seeing. Boldly, I proclaim, no, you do not need to do that. What they are doing is adding to the truth of the authentic moon, which is wrong. I left and then found my sister and warned her about it as well. You see in this dream, the sun is the son of God. The moon is the church which reflects the light, the revelation of the sun upon the earth. The reflection is I said, the revelation of God because the light of the son of our, our Jesus is reflected through that moon. God made it very clear that we do not need to add anything to his revelation to make it more understandable. If it isn't in the word of God, which is the Lord, the Lord is the word. And if it's not in multiple scriptures, we do not need to add this information to help others see it clearly. We know that God is judge. Jesus is our lead advocate. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. Anything else we need to do, our counselor, the Holy Spirit, will make it clear to us at that time. We do need, not need to operate in any other place in the heavens. Now, as I prepared for this meeting, I had a vision of what has occurred in heaven with Jesus and his blood. As I worshiped the Lord, I saw the Lord walk, and I was crying out to the Lord for poor mercy for his, kid, for his children, for those in agape. So as I did this, I saw Jesus walk into the throne room where God resides. He carried a bowl of his blood with him on an ornate seat. He sprinkled this blood. There were angels stationed beside it. And as he sprinkled his blood, then he took his place. I saw waves of energy being released And i saw as i saw each wave released i felt it impact me i could feel it come into me you see that throne room of god is the holies of holies in the book of hebrews it speaks about this here is what that vision meant let's look at it in the word of god hebrews 9 6 through 8 in the american king james version now when these things occurred thus ordained the priest always went first into the tabernacle accomplishing the service of god but into the second went the high priest alone once every year not without blood which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people the holy ghost is signifying that this is the way into the holiest of all and was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing you see God is saying that this is a foreshadow. There was the priests, the high priest, and Jesus is our high priest. Only he could go into the holies of holies, and he had to do it with blood. Hebrews nine eleven through fourteen. We're going to continue. But Christ, being come, but Christ being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say not of this building, it's not of the Hebrew temple, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood he entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to purify us of the flesh, how much more the blood of Christ who brought, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot or blemish to God. So purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. What was done in the Old Testament with the Hebrew priest was but a foreshadow of what our Lord would do. He is the only begotten Son of God who lived the perfect life. Then, then, having walked perfectly before God, Jesus gave that life for us, He sacrificed it for our sins. And now, if we continue reading Hebrews, we see what that is accomplished. Hebrews 9, 15 through 22. Therefore, he's a mediator of a new covenant, a new testament, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from transgressions committed under the first covenant. For he, or for where, For where there's a will involved, the death of the one who has made it must be established. You see, in order for God's will to come in, a new covenant covenant to be established, there must first be a death. For a will takes effect only at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it was alive. In order for Jesus to bring that new covenant, he had to die. Therefore, not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats in the water with water and scarlet wool and hyssops and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in that same way, he sprinkled with the blood, both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness for sins. This is clearly identifying that the first covenant with God was established through blood. And it had to be renewed every year because the blood was only good for a year. Because it was a blood blood of bull and goats. The second covenant is with us. And it's with our Lord. And it's this perfect blood that lasts forever everything was purged from sin everything was redeemed and dedicated to god through blood we're almost done let's continue in hebrews 9 23 to through 28 there is therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these better than bulls and goats there needed to be a better sacrifice for Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands, which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then he must have had suffered since the foundations of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, he has appeared, To put away sin by the sacrificing of himself is appointed to man to die once, but after this to judgment. So Christ has offered to bear the sins of many so that them that look for him shall appear the second time without sin to salvation. First time Christ came, the first time his blood was shed was for our sin so that when he comes again, we will be saved. Because the blood of Jesus is perfect, he only needed to do it once. And now he's in heaven at the, as the eternal sacrifice for all sin. We can approach God. That's where he is. He is in the holies of holies. Because our high priest, Jesus, has made the way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's John 4, 6. For any who will seek him, that's who he is. This is what the Lord wants us to focus on. Knowing about the courts of heaven can help us understand how and when to appropriate that greatest gift of his blood. But we should never forget that seeking God, seeking our, our high priest in the holies of holies has been paid for by his sacrifice. That should always be our goal to draw close to God, to be in his presence. When we first began going into the, in the, into the courts in 2018, the Lord said it was a time of training. I thought that we were learning how to operate in the courts to obtain victory. But now it is very clear that by learning about the courts, we know how to receive from our Lord through the mercy of his blood. Every time you cry out for mercy, you come into agreement with that cry of the blood of Jesus. He's your advocate in heaven. He's contending for you right now. And mercy is released from that mercy seat in waves. It comes forth from heaven. Now, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you shall reap. That's John 6, verses 47 through 49. If you ask for mercy, but you keep operating in sin, the mercy you seek will not come. You must be willing to learn God's ways, to apply them to your life. And to do the job God has for you. You must submit to your Lord and his will. This is when the cry for mercy will bring results. The new covenant with our Lord is spoken of in Hebrews is based on mercy. He, he told us how to appropriate appropriated it when he was here. We must forgive. Then we are forgiven. That's Matthew six twelve. Are you willing to forgive others? Are you willing to forgive yourself? Are you willing to forgive without the other person knowing what they've done? This is the way you will be forgiven by the father. As you forgive, so you will be forgiven. Ask now and don't wait. You don't have to go into the courts. You can appropriate mercy every day. You must let God know that first you are willing to forgive all those who have wronged you. You must even forgive yourself. Have you done something, if you caused something and you in your heart have trouble forgiving yourself? Forgive others, forgive yourself. Are you willing to learn God's ways and to walk in them? Are you willing to work for your Lord? To do his work on this on this earth, if you have said yes to all three of these, then say them out loud, tell God, tell God that you are willing to forgive, Tell God you forgive yourself, you forgive the others, tell him you are ready to learn His ways and to walk in them, tell them, tell your Lord that you submit to Him, you will do whatever He tells you to do to speak loudly to you, that you are willing. Then come into agreement with the blood. State the fact, Lord, your blood cries out for mercy. Your blood was on the ground crying out for mercy when those who put you on the cross, those who tortured you, subjected you to torture, when they mocked you, you said, Forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they're doing. You asked for mercy. So Lord, we come into agreement with the cry of your blood for mercy. I come into agreement with that cry. Lord, have mercy on all of us, on your children. Let your mercy be released from heaven. We are willing to follow your ways and to learn them. We are willing to do whatever you have called us to do. And Father, we are willing to forgive. We forgive those who have hurt us. We have forgive ourselves for hurting others. I thank you, Father, for granting us mercy, for releasing mercy from heaven. In your name, Jesus, amen. That is our message today. That is what the Lord has had to say. Yes, Knowing about the courts is good. Yes, understanding them is great. You may be called to go there someday. Until then, his blood is sufficient. His mercy is sufficient if you will rest in it. No no questions yet, okay? So then if there are not any questions, I will consider that we covered this very thoroughly. May have been reviewed to those of you who have been through the academy. I hope we clarified about um, about the scrolls and books and other places in the courts. Why we need to remain focused on our Lord and His mercy today. He's done it all.